What's going on, everybody? This is your host of Through the Tunnel, Nima Omidvar. And today, as we go through the tunnel, we're going to take the Oregon Trail all the way out to Oregon. Just think to yourself, uh, what is the over-under on bad Oregon Trail jokes that are going to commence here in this episode? Uh, But as we do take the trail and go through the tunnel, we've got three great uh, members of this panel that um, are very qualified to talk about Oregon hoops. Uh, Those three members are Jed Ty. He's a senior writer and analyst for Prep Hoops. Um, You can find him on Twitter at at PrepHoopsOR. Previously was a contributing editor for Oregon Preps and NBA Register, as well as the NBA Draft uh, media guide. But Jed now covers the Oregon basketball scene and has really been a a student of, of the game within that area since moving to the area. Um, in, in the early 2000s. Reggie Walker, Reggie uh, works for Primetime Sports and is the director of um, the Les Schwab Invitational, which is a big time high school basketball event that happens every year in Portland. Brings in a lot of the type, top Nike teams uh, to play against top Oregon teams. Um, he's also the director of the Rose City Rebels, uh, which is the EYBL program. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at Reggie Primetime. And then lastly, Coach uh, Marshall Cho, who's uh, the head coach at Lake Oswego High School, uh, famously the, the high school for Kevin Love. Uh, Marshall, uh, previously, uh, he and I got to know each other when he was coaching in the East Coast at the Matthew Catholic High School. Uh, he was also uh, the director of basketball operations at the University of Portland uh, before taking over um, at Lake Oswego. Uh, if you follow him on Twitter, you'd see he does a lot of camps, uh, a lot of skill development, and you also often see his Dr. Dish machine. Um, and we like to thank our sponsor, Dr. Dish, uh, who has been making players better for a long time. Right now, it's it's a it's complicated being in the gym, having multiple humans in the gym. Get a Dr. Dish, help keep your players improving, even when we need to be socially distant and be safe. Uh, mention this ad uh, to Dr. Dish and get three hundred dollars off uh, your machine. Just tell them you heard about it on Rising Coaches, and then also if you've got an older machine, uh, irregardless of the brand. You can trade it in and, and get some credit for it. Uh, shout out to Dr. Dish. You can follow them on Twitter or Instagram at Dr. Dish B-Ball. And if you, if you log in there, you're going to find all sorts of different videos on different ways to utilize the machine that um, are going to really help your players. It's not always just shooting jumpers. You can use it to, to help your uh, post players uh, as, a, as a entry passers. Um, just different ways to be creative and make yourselves a better player. That's what it's all about. And as we go through the tunnel uh, to talk about Oregon players and how they get better and how they get found and uh, cultivated, uh, we're going to get a lot of great information today from these guys. So without further ado, let's go through the tunnel and talk about Oregon basketball. Thank you very much for coming through the tunnel. Got to use this one down the Oregon Trail, all the way out to the great state of Oregon, out in the West Coast. It's a it's a state that has got talent, has got a lot of uh, reason to put eyeballs on the state. We're going to talk about it and really dive into it today. Uh, let's get right into it, gentlemen. Um, Marshall, I'll start with you. Then Jed, we can follow up. Let's talk geography. 
for for those listening that that maybe never been to Oregon or aren't familiar, let's break down the the, the different regions um, that specifically have basketball players traditionally. Marshall, we'll start with you. Yeah, um, thanks for having us, Nima. Really ex- uh, looking forward to this. Um, you know, for uh, the three of us here, Reggie, myself, and Jed, we're all living in the Portland metropolitan area. Um, I'm from Lake Oswego, suburbs of Portland. Um, so there's a lot of talent congregated, obviously, here. Um, but then you go along the I-5 corridor, you go an hour south, Salem's the state capital. Um, there's been some decent players to come out of that region. Another hour south, from, you know, from Salem, so two hours, you know, down, uh, the highway is Eugene, Springfield area. Um, you know, we've had a lot of players come out you know, over the years from that that uh, that pocket as well. And then all the way down, Jed mentioned earlier, even we, before we started recording, you know, we, we have traditionally the Singler brothers and others, um, even Nate Biddle from Crater High School, who who is currently playing in prolific prep. Um, he's down from the Southern Oregon area. And so you can go up and down the corridor, um, obviously smaller schools as you get to the coastlines. And then also there's a pocket, you know, of players that have come out of Ben that Jed and, and Reggie can talk more um, in detail about. Yeah, definitely. I think um, yeah, Marshall just mentioned Bend is a kind of a really growing area here in the state. I think they're building another new high school there. And, and uh, there's a lot of uh, population growth. Uh, there's been some specific high schools there, such as Summit High School, which is, uh, you know, brand new high school facilities and, and just a lot of kids are starting to, you know, grow up in that area. I think they're starting to take club basketball a little more seriously there as well. And uh, that's kind of a, a sleeper region to be looking out for. Let me quickly follow up on that, Reggie, before we touch the rest of the state. Jed, that, that brings me back here when you say that about the growth in new schools. Um, do we know where, where, where these families are maybe coming from and moving from? Uh, any, any idea? I, I know we didn't talk about that going into this, but that, that's just something I'm curious about. Yeah, I think, you know, I think you're, you're seeing a lot of migration from the Portland area. You know, um, real estate around here is getting pretty expensive. And so people are getting priced out, uh, you know, also wanted to move into areas that's kind of up and coming. There's like a real uh, brewery scene going on in Central Oregon. There's a lot of winter sports, um, you know, outdoors, hiking, that type of stuff. And more people are getting attracted to that. And so there's been kind of this migration. Of course, you know, there's a big migration coming up from California all the time. And uh, just from all parts of the country, I mean, it's only really the high desert area is such a beautiful area to be in. And I think a lot of people are seeing that and starting to move over there. I love it. Reggie, uh, let's round out the rest of the state. Anywhere else that, that we maybe didn't touch? Um, you know, it, it is technically in a different state, but I think uh, Vancouver, Washington is just on the other side of the Columbia River from Portland. Um, and there, that's also a burgeoning area um, growing in population like crazy. It's literally, you know, right across the river from Portland. And a lot of people from Portland, like Jeff mentioned, are kind of getting priced out and moving there. Um, and they, their high school, um, they're building another high school there right now. And then their, their high school programs currently have had success, um, especially union high school. Uh, they go to this, the Washington state championship basically every year. Uh, and you know, all the way up kind of there, there's not too many big cities in between Portland and Seattle. So even the Vancouver suburbs technically kind of fall into the Portland category. And, and there's a kid from battleground high school, which is 
you know, 20 minutes from, from Portland, uh, who committed to Gonzaga, uh, his name is Caden Perry. Uh, so I think, you know, even though technically that's in the state of Washington, you know, Washington and, and Portlanders and Oregonians, I think we, we lump generally lump the, the, the Vancouver area into, into ours as well. Okay, that's really good to know. That's something that I think as, uh, you know, our, our general audience of college coaches that are listening uh, should understand that. And obviously, whenever you come to a region, if you can uh, piggyback other markets and in, in recruiting, then it becomes that much more advantageous. So uh, that's why we always start with the geography question to kind of set the scene. Now, Jed, I'm going to start with you on this because you you obviously through your prep hoops, um, you know, scouting work has seen a lot of guys play uh and then reggie can follow up afterwards let tell me like what is uh the most common character traits are for oregon basketball players if we were to to stereotype we talked about stereotypes before we jumped on the show if we were to stereotype an oregon basketball player and i know we've got outliers like the terrence rosses of the world but like what what are you going to find in, in in that type of skill set you know, I think in general, you're going to find uh, a kid that's uh, really well coached. We have a lot of great coaches here in the state at all levels from small school to big school. Um, you're going to talk about uh, kids who are uh, pretty well skilled, pretty well uh, good shooters, um, team players, um, guys who have a fairly decent motor. Um, you know, guys who are going to play both ends of the floor. I think um, in general, who had the stereotype in Oregon kid, uh, maybe not necessarily the best the biggest, uh, you know, big time athletes, but guys who will work hard, guys who are skilled, who will, who will you know, shoot the ball well, um, play team basketball. Yeah, I echo what Judge just said. I think that that sums it up. Uh, I do think the the high school coaching is really strong in Oregon. Evidence of that is, um, you know, oftentimes more often than not, uh, there are upsets in the Les Schwab Invitational when the out of state teams come in. And our players um, don't play scared uh, when, when they're playing against the, you know, the big level teams, whether they're from, you know, California, back east, the south, wherever. Uh, I think it's it, it's kind of in, in the character trait um, for them to, to not be afraid of the moment, play tough, uh, respond well to coaching. Uh, and we have some really tenured high school coaches here in Oregon, too, which I think lends to um, players learning the game, you know, from from the ground up, like with basic fundamentals and, and um, just kind of learning how to play the right way. Kind of echoing what Jed said, like definitely not the most athletic. I think when, you know, you know, as an AAU director, when we take our kids out of, out of town, like I think we're inherently at a disadvantage when we walk off the plane just physically. Um, but I do think we make up for it in, in toughness and, and brains. And um, I think a, a big, uh, you know, result of that is, is the, the big, the strong high school coaches that we have in the state. Yeah. And I'd also add on to that. I think t- to some degree, you also have a bunch of kids who have a, who play with a chip on their shoulder, right? They're always being overlooked and, you know, there are all these big names, big athletes and stuff. And, you know, they, they go on the court, they feel like we got something to prove. You know, and as I mentioned in the, uh, in the intro, you know, Reggie, you run the, the Les Schwab Invitational, uh, Marshall, your school participates uh, from time to time. That I probably should have also mentioned Outlier, one of your uh, alums at your school, Kevin Love, right? He's a Oregon outlier. But 
Um, any anything else to add? And you've got a pretty unique perspective, being that you used to be out here on the East Coast uh, with us uh, in the DMV. Uh, when you kind of look at the the players where you're at now, at a very prominent uh, you know high school program, one of the one of the top in the state. Um, you know, what, what kind of stands out to you based on what you've seen also on this side of the coast? Yeah, I, you know, just piggybacking on what the other two guys said, and obviously I'm, a, I'm biased because I'm a high school, I chose to be a high school, I chosen to be a high school coach in the state of Oregon. But what I often hear is similar to what Reggie might hear at the LSI from out-of-state coaches. So when, when every year we have a coaches clinic that our coaches uh, association puts together in, in October, and just even recently, we had, you know, Coach Rice from Bishop Gorman coming in and speaking to an audience of 400 coaches who showed up from all over the state. And he turns to me and says, man, like you guys really take care of each other here, you know. Um, and so I think that's been that's been a really good thing. Um, I, I would echo the skill piece and all of that. But, you know, again, like Nima, you know, I'm coming from DeMatha my first year, like it did take an adjustment to to think about the talent level because, you know, in other major cities, like the talent is just through the roof. And I think what what the next step for our guys, maybe that's what I can really add to this conversation is I think we need we need more um, opportunities for Oregon high school teams to play outside um, so that, you know, the Les Schwab or these events are the only one off, you know, uh, opportunities for them to really see top level. And again, that's where these kids are, you know, going through their club experiences in the off season. But with the new recruiting calendar, you know, before COVID hit, one of the big, you know, initiatives for our, you know, small little public high school was to go down to the Section 7 tournament in Arizona and play other top high school programs. So I think hopefully that's the next natural evolution. Um, like Reggie mentioned, there's a lot of, you know, coaches who've been here for a long time. And like many other states, you know, the, the high school coaching profession is really hard. So they're, they're leaving it at an early age. So when I look around, having been in it for five years, there's a lot of peers who've left after five years. So, so I think there, there is an indication that, you know, that the younger coaches need to be supported. And that also means, you know, having the resources and access to take their teams outside of, outside of our you know, boundaries. This is really good dialogue to, to shape, you know, what's going on in Oregon and, and what could be maybe uh, considered a, a possible uh, uh barrier, if you will, or friction that's that's allowing these kids to be seen. Now, mm -hmm. what I do want to ask is this and, and kind of figure this out. What are what are because you guys have done a really good job of talking about the high school coaches, they're tenured, uh, they're teaching, but you know, kids are playing sports. And I think Jed, you mentioned something to the fact of there are other winter sports that are that are popular in Bend. Talk to me about, you know, kids in Oregon. What are what are their attention spans being uh, split up to in terms of athletics? Are there other uh, sports where, where D1 athletes are, are really heavily found uh, within the state? Um, because, you know, sometimes we, we do see a shift. In Maryland, lacrosse became a really big thing, right? So, you know, and I know lacrosse is becoming pretty in vogue now in the West Coast, but that's 12 to 15 years after us here um, on the East. Reggie, I'll start with you and, and Marshall and Jay. You can chime in. What, what, what other athletes, uh, what, what sports are they playing and what are the primary sports in Oregon in terms of popularity? Yeah, I think football is, is the most dominant uh, sport in our state. Um, we do, especially lately, we have been producing, a, a, you know, for our size of state population wise, a really good number of Division I uh, football players. 
in the Portland area, I think if you if you took, you know, 100 kids, it'd be 50, 50, 60, 40 basketball. Um, but for the rest of the state, uh, I think football is definitely dominant. Um, you know, you've got the two major universities, Corvallis and Eugene, which are on the I-5 corridor, you know, where, you know, they've had success in basketball, especially Oregon, um, but their football programs are are definitely a tier higher in terms of perception and attention from the media. And uh, I think that's trickled down all the way to, to football, uh, to youth football. Um, I do think that there is, especially like Jed mentioned in Bend, I mean, just given the, the climate, uh, like snowboarding, skiing, those you know, winter season sports are, are, are popular there, but, um, basketball is, is definitely growing out there. You can be in a gym to do it. They are starting to take the club stuff more seriously. Um, but yeah, I think football is the most popular sport in our state. Uh, basketball would be number two. And I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that our women's basketball, like girls youth basketball is insanely good. I mean, we, we, we've had, Jed would probably know the numbers better than I do, but I mean, it's like we're hitting grand slams like every time we walk up to the plate with women's basketball in terms of like the accolades that they've obtained, you know, in terms of McDonald's All-Americans going to, you know, big power five universities. We've had a bunch of girls go to uh, Tennessee. There's a girl right now who's a a Connecticut, the number one player in the country uh, or high school recruit in the country. Cameron Brink is at Stanford right now. Um, I mean, it's, it's remarkable how much talent there is on the girl side. Uh, and the guy side, it is cyclical. I mean, I think we've had ups and downs, but if we even got to 50% of where the women are, um, <laughs> people would be beating down the doors recruiting our state. I think. Yeah, definitely. The, the women's basketball, that, you, that goes way back to even the eighties. I mean, it's long tradition of Oregon city high school. And then yeah. in the early two thousands, it was right. high school. I mean, and then, you know, the biggest eight, I don't know if this is still the case, but I knew the biggest AU girls tournament was held here in the Portland metropolitan area in Oregon. City. The trail, yeah. mm-hmm. And so, you know, Pat summit and Gino REM are all coming in here, recruiting kids. And, and just literally, I think I, I have a number stored somewhere, but at least 10 division one players every year, at girls basketball, at least. And guys, we're lucky if we got three. So, yeah, I'd say ten power fives. I mean, it's it's crazy, um, like how how strong the girls' stuff is here. That that's really interesting. That's really interesting. And and you'd think, uh, Marsha, I, I, I see you want to chime in, so I want to let you do that. You you think the the gap would close at some point, right? That's got to be because of some great coaching too. But Marsha, what are your thoughts? So I saw you nodded your head. Yeah, I just think it's a that's a reflection of this, the consistency, you know, Oregon city was coached by you know, Brad Smith, you know, a legend Lindsay Yamasaki played, you know, volleyball and, and basketball. She was national player of the year, went to, went to Stanford and Jed, what was that? What years were those? That was 90, like 90, 97, 98. Yeah. Yeah. And, but you know what, what they've done well. And I think sometimes as high school coaches are guilty of, just, you know, and, and this is across the board, across the country, it, you know, the club high school thing becomes adversarial. But, you know, what Coach Smith over at Oregon City did really well was, you know, as soon as they, they were finishing up their June, you know, they were able to wrap in their June summer ball with club scene and have this big tournament and have these big events. Um, that was a draw. You know, and I think that's, again, you know, that's why the Les Schwab is so special. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, there's what, 12 to 13 state teams that get to participate in this prestigious right. event that's once a year 
Whereas, you know, the, I think the, the girls just have done the consistent, consistent job of, and we used to have the equivalent of that on the girls side for, for, um, for the winter tournament as well, but just, you know, they do such a better job in the summers. They do such a better job in the off season that, that I think that there's some, there's a model for us to follow at least as high school coaches in the state. Okay. Well, there, there you have it. Coaches out there listening, you know, let's, let's copy a little bit from the, the women's side uh, and, and, and bring some of that um, kind of wherewithal over, over to help some kids get to that division one level. Now uh, talking about division one and, and Reggie, you and I spoke a little bit about this um, when, when we first talked about doing this show, there's not a lot of division one schools in the state of Oregon. And so that right, right off the bat is going to limit your, your options in terms of producing division one kids. And then, you know, with that uh, on the West coast, just in general, everything's just a little bit more spread out. Um, how, how has that affected uh, the, the numbers? Um, Jed, I'll start with you and Reggie, you follow up. How is just the lack of division one schools and, and the ability to, to pop in maybe in between a game, you know, as I'm Pac-12 schools, obviously the way they travel makes it hard. What are some, you know, I don't want to build in excuses, but what are some of the reasons that maybe have lended this, uh, you know, statistics? Well, it's like Reggie talked about. It's it's the talent is kind of cyclical. I, I remember the first time I was in the scene in the 2000s. I mean, it was just you know, Kevin Love, Kyle Singler, and I mean, it was just a remarkable group of, of kids. Um, and it just, you know, just over the course of time, some, there's an ebb and flow. But, you know, I think there's also this mentality, too, that, you know, since we're kind of way out in the corner and, you know, we have a we have a big sky program here right in town. Also, with WCC program, you know, Portland State and Portland. Um, sometimes, you know, this is kind of an old mentality. Well, if these kids, this is this kid is really, really good. Uh, why isn't Portland State or Portland recruiting them? You know, and if they're not recruiting them, then, then why should we be recruiting them? Um, and, you know, different coaching staffs have different type of philosophies and different types of kids they're looking for. And, you know, maybe Portland State's not looking at it, this type of kid or Portland's not looking at this kind of kid or, you know, it's, it's also more of a high academic situation, you know, so on and so forth. But, you know, people from the outside don't really recognize these factors. And they just said, oh, Portland State hasn't offered him. Well, then, you know, why should we be offering him? So no question. Um, you know, that's something that kind of falls into it. No, that, that's all true. Um, I do think, you know, for the coaches that are listening, the college coaches that are listening, you know, that aren't in Oregon, I, I do think there is an opportunity for, for you guys to recruit our state. Um, just picking up, backing off what Jed said. I mean, we do have, you know, we have four division one institutions in the state of Oregon, two are power five, Oregon and Oregon state. And then two are what I would call, you know, low major uh, Portland, Portland state, Portland, Portland is, a high academic school, not only do you have to have good grades and good scores to go there, it's a really small school and you have to go to class while you're there too. So the you can get in, but staying in is also going to be difficult there. And then Portland State, I mean, they're in the big sky per capita. The, it has more you know junior college transfers than any other conference in the country. Um, so they're typically not going to recruit, you know, the high school player right away. And you know, just what Jed said is accurate is like one of the first questions you get it, you get, you get asked uh, when you're trying to, you know, help a kid with his recruiting is, well, you know, who else has offered him or who's recruiting him. And if you can't say the two schools in your, in your backyard and, and personally, like I've wrestled with um, the current staff at university of Portland um, with, you know, even if you're not, if, if you're not, if you don't think you can get a player, 
Um, you can recruit him for the bounce back. You can develop a relationship with him. If there's a division one player in your backyard, why wouldn't you offer him? Uh, and I think that that has, um, you know, hurt us a little bit. And ge- just geographically, like even the schools around us uh, are, we have, you know, the West Coast Conference, which again is is higher academic in nature. We've got the Big Sky, which is in our region, which per capita, more junior college players than any other conference in the country. And then we've got the Power Five. So that level in between where, you know, if you're on the East Coast, like you've got your, you know, you've got your Richmond's and your George Washington's and your George Mason's, like we don't have those schools out here. So it's just, and it's difficult to explain that to someone who doesn't know our, you know, our geography or even a parent of, of a player in our area, or even the kids themselves, like they have these, you know, um, you know, grandiose ideas of, of becoming a division one player. And it's hard, even if you're not from here to make it, I mean, statistics will, will show you that, but I think being out here, it is um, even more difficult just given kind of what I just explained with, with the, the colleges that are out here. Um, so I think that's, and, and, you know, I don't think we've done our best job. Uh, you know, AAU gets more attention in terms of recruiting than high school does. I think we can all agree with that fair or unfair. It's just the truth. And our, our AAU situation hasn't been the best um, over the past, let's say five, six years, um, which I think has also hurt us a little bit uh, just in terms of the perception of the area. But there are players here um, that I don't think get the attention that they would if they did the exact same thing or the exact same person, if they lived in, you know, the DMV or they lived in Ohio or, or Texas or, um, you know, New York or somewhere on the East coast. Um, so and maybe I'm biased in saying that, but I believe that to be true. No, it's, that's really good insight. And, and that's good to hear because at least I know when I, when I come back and re-engage uh, recruiting Oregon, I'm, I'm not going to ask that question because, you know, that would have been a natural question. Hey, of course. what about the local guy? But now I understand that there are, there's some, some maybe uh road, not roadblocks, but you know, high academics, Juco, that's going to eliminate, you know, uh, you know, some kids right off the bat that, um, you know, just off of paper or, or seeing on YouTube, you may not know that. Um, and, and to that same point, uh, you, 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 Reggie, you mentioned Juco. Um, the, the next step a lot of times for kids, Marshall, is either going to a prep school or Juco to, to just get a little bit more uh, opportunities for exposure. And in, in Oregon, you guys really don't have that. Um, I'm not really familiar with your with your JUCO scene at all. If they're, uh, you know, I don't I don't know if it's any good or not. Just to be quite honest, I know surrounding you guys, it's some some pretty good JUCO ball. If you go, you know, to Idaho and uh, down to Utah, Arizona, etc., California, obviously, and then Wyoming, yeah. uh, and then you got uh, you know the the prep schools, which for for a lot of kids, out, at least out here in the East Coast, you could be a full qualifier, go to a prep school that just plays a different type of schedule and. Uh, you know, you're like Jason Preston in Ohio. Magically, you're one of the best point guards in the country. So uh, give me your thoughts on that, Marshall. How, how much does that play a, a role? Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll say that you save the Juco talk for Jed and Reggie. They can be the experts on that. Uh, just because I spent this past week, uh, probably spent about six to eight hours on the phone with a bunch of prep schools because um, I have a case where I have a class of 2021 Trey Salton, a 6'6 wing, who's 
you know, division one level player, but like many 2021s, you know, they're, they're going to be in a situation where they're looking at, you know, prep school options. And in the midst of doing that, I got to do some research and, you know, there's, well, we started our conversation about our guys being well coached or, or having high skill sets, you know, being good teammates, all of that stuff. Um, you know, there's Bridgeton, you know, with coach Witt, right. Um, that that's a name that comes up because we had a couple of kids in the most re- recently, Chuka Meckham, who was a guard under, not recruited at all. Not actually, recruited at all. At all. at all. Um, who goes to Bridgeton, you know, plays for a year, uh, like a 5'10", 5'11", I'm being generous there, but good wingspan, good athlete, gritty defender, um, no no offers at all, goes to prep for a year, then bets on himself, goes to Juco, and turns around and gets a scholarship and gets on the roster at Drexel. And I just think about if Chuka, I go, and this is no offense to Chuka because he's a hell of a player, but there's if Chuka can do it, why not 10 others in our state? And it, it really does lend itself to the opportunities that the kids don't have. And it lends itself to, you know, a kid like that who's willing to go from one coast to the other, right? Like I've had a lot of college coaches say, well, I'd love to have your kid from Lake Oswego, but is he willing to move a clear across the country, right? Um, so there's that barrier as well. But, you know, Kelton Samora was another player, played at Grant High School here, you know, won a state championship, also goes to prep, and then ends up at American, you know? So there, there's a lot of players like that that have been overlooked. Historically, Marquise Hall, who was a point guard at Jefferson, who ended up, you know, not recruited, you know, I think Portland and Portland States of the world dropped the ball on that one. But, you know, he goes to Lehigh and ends up being CJ McCollum's backcourt mate. You know, so there's a lot of sleep, you know, stepped on players who, again, I think that's that's why it's important to have people like Jed in the media who's highlighting it. That's why it's important for us to get out here and advocate for our players. But also, like, as last thing I'll leave is, you know, like Reggie said, I think, you know, for a small market like ours, and you've probably done other interviews where, when you have so few players and you have so many teams fighting for, you know, each of these players and then the kid can hop from program to program. So again, their development suffers. Right. Um, so if there's, if we can provide some, you know, some sort of structure that, that would highlight, you know, the, what they already possess in the skills and, and the willingness to work, then I think, um, then this is a definite market that, you know, potentially has a huge growth uh, potential ahead of us. Yeah, that's that's really good info when you when you open up the hood of a car. Right. And you want to see the nitty gritty. You know, if you have less players off the bat and everybody's fighting over them and they go from spot to spot, then all of a sudden, you know, just the the change and the lack of continuity does affect the development. And, um, you know, in a a state that uh, isn't producing numbers. Uh, you need that continuity to, to really take a player to that to that next level. Jed, give me your perspective on you know the JUCO and preps and, and how much that helps kids from the state. And then Reggie, you can add in as well. Yeah, I mean there's there's been there's been a long history of guys here who've gone prep and got or then even gone JUCO after that or JUCO directly. Um, you know, I I think the the best example of a, a kid going Juco from here that nobody knew. I mean, people around here we knew uh, is Mike James. Mike James went to Grand High School, you know, helped, helped the, the squad. He was even probably the third best guy on the team after uh, Paul McCoy and uh, Mike Mosier. But um, total afterthought, went Juco Eastern Arizona, kind of lit it up, went to Lamar. You know, is now one of the, probably one of the, the best players in, in Europe and even got a cup of coffee in the NBA, you know, a couple of years ago. Um, and, and played some in the G League. 
Um, just a great example of, you know, going a different route. And, you know, I, I, I've kept a list of Division One guys um, out of this, the history for, in the history of the state. And there's especially in like in the 90s and 2000s, you just got a ton of guys who uh, went went JUCO for one reason or another. A lot of most of them were national JUCOs. I will say that, um, you know, Scenic West Conference, College of Southern Idaho, that type of thing. Um, but yeah, just, just so many great stories and end up at power, power five programs and, and just do remarkable things. Another great example is Ime, Ime Udoka, you know, he's, he's on the, he's on the verge of possibly, you know, becoming a head coach at some point, but yeah, he too, he went to like two different JUCOs and then before even, um, you know, becoming a division one player, um, you know, the junior college situation up here in this region, there is an entire separate junior college, uh, conference called the Northwest athletic conference. And, you know, it's actually, it's actually been a pretty competitive uh, league. And there's actually been a number of Division One guys who have come out of there, mostly um, out of the, uh, the Seattle area and some of the, the junior colleges up around there. Um, but it's, it's quality basketball. Um, you know, it's just kind of a little under the radar. And again, it's kind of that regional thing. Well, if UW isn't, you know, Washington isn't recruiting somebody out of there. If Oregon's not recruiting somebody out of there, is that somebody you really want to take a chance on? But, you know, the Division Two programs – all around the West Coast, just farm that like crazy. Uh, NAI, D2, NAI, scholarship, you know, type programs. And there's lots of kids in there um, that, you know, go go there and develop physically, develop their games a little more, get more playing experience against, you know, a lot of older kids, you know, Juco situation, you got all these guys, you know, maybe 20, 24, 25 year old Juco players still have eligibility left. You know, they, they, they really uh, gain a lot of experience and then come out of there with a, another college situation that's uh that's that's you know as i hear this i'm thinking okay i need to know these kids in oregon and even if i don't take them as a senior going into to high school um i need to stay with them as they go to that junior college or prep situation because as you rattle off you know success story after success story there's something in there in terms of a commonality of development over time, um, specifically coming out of you guys' region, whatever that, you know, magic potion that's happening, again, underneath the hood, it's irrelevant. That's what it is. And so we need to pay attention to that. Reggie, any anything else to add on, on the subject? Yeah, I mean, uh, Jed covered a lot and uh, so did Marshall. Um, and the only thing I, I'll add is, the prep school situation on the West coast in general, not just in Oregon is not non-existent, but it's, it's remedial compared to what's going on in the East coast. Um, and there are more prep schools now than there were three or four years ago, even. And a lot of those are, you know, Fugazi or just a little unscrupulous or they're not to the level that they are in, you know, the new England league, um, at all. So, we're, we're at, we're at a little, you know, they're for the most part, they're, they're basketball academies, you know, or whatever, like yeah. kids may not even be going to school, not just during COVID, like they might just be doing online classes in general. So we haven't figured out the the model for the prep school stuff on the West coast, at least. And like you said, you know, for a kid to, to travel back East to go to prep school, bet on himself, I mean, they, generally they have to come from some means to be able to do that because scholarships are kind of hard to come by. So that maybe boots out, you know, a, a certain section of, of, of the population of player. Um, and, you know, we, I, we just, 
I think your point was great. Like the college coaches need to develop the relationship with the players while they're in high school, because a lot of them do end up going junior college or, um, or to a prep school and then becoming, you know, a player that they will ultimately want, uh, want on their roster. And like, I'll, I'll use an example, like he's a friend of mine, so it's easy. It comes to mind quickly is Dante Bryant, who, uh, who's a college coach right now at, at Casper, which is a national junior college in Wyoming. Uh-huh. And he he went to Eastern Arizona, um, out of high school. If Dante would have gone to a school in DC or a school in Houston, there's no doubt he would have been a Division One player out of high school. But because Portland Portland State didn't recruit him, he wasn't you know at the level of a, of a Power Five. He he ended up going to JUCO, uh, and then he ultimately got a scholarship and played at University of San Francisco, uh, and had a you know a great two years when he was there. Um, there's there's just example there's a lot of examples of guys like him where they may not be recruited out of high school and you know he got better but ultimately he could have been a division one player uh out of high school so um i think there's there is an opportunity for for coaches from you know mid-major schools or or just colleges in general for uh to be able to recruit our area and and um i think it's it'll, it'll happen. It just, it, it hasn't happened yet. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, I think like the uh, piggyback off what Reggie said, you know, Dante Bryan with Eastern Arizona. So did Mike James, for example, you know, they're a great example of a school that's built a pipeline here. I know it's junior college. Sure. They built a pipeline to Oregon is Eastern Arizona ever since the two mm-hmm. thousands, constantly mm-hmm. getting kids to come in and moving them on to the next level. And yep. I, think, I think there is definitely potential here to build another pipeline somewhere else. For sure. You, you you took the thought right out of my my mind, Jed. If I'm listening to this right now and I'm not at Division One, I'm saying, well, this is opportunity. You know, Oregon's got kids that ultimately go on and, and do well. They sh- maybe should be Division One. Uh, if I'm D2, if I'm NAIA, if I'm JUCO, I don't give a damn if the, the D1's missed out or not. I'm not going to miss out. I'm going to come in and, to your point, Jed, Eastern Arizona's done that and they've made a, a living off of it and, you know, hats off to them. So I know most, most of our listeners are from smaller colleges and, and those guys I'm sure have got their pens and papers out and, and, and really jot down some thoughts and notes on, on how to, to, to really, you know, navigate the scene. Um, and as, as I transition into talking about navigating the scene and, Reggie, I'm going to come to you on this because this is your event, not just your wheelhouse, your event. The Nike's presence in in Oregon and Adidas, you know, they, they're both there, right? So that, that presence brings some extra eyeballs um, to right. your state. And and hence your your event, the Les Schwab, which is, um, you know, a, a longstanding event. Us here in, in Washington, D.C., we know about it because every year either DeMath or Gonzaga plays in it. And when right. you get that schedule, you're like, what is that event? And you watch it online, you're like, man, it's right. Um, but but how is how is that relationship with those major shoe brands uh, brought attention, or maybe maybe not? And then um, specifically with your event, Reggie, how has that impacted Oregon recruiting? Yeah, no, great question. Um, we we are fortunate enough to to have the event here in our backyard, and it does really help. Um, the kids from our area get recruited, especially those that are seniors who maybe didn't have anything after their junior, junior high school season, their junior club season. They're, you know, um, 
they haven't signed. The recruiting is kind of like spotty. Um, if they have a good performance at the Les Schwab, uh, I mean, you, they can literally get offered and accept a scholarship on the spot or at least enhance their recruiting quite a bit. Um, and with, with Nike's presence here, I mean, it's allowed us that that's why we are able to bring in the national teams. Uh, all the teams we do bring in from out of state are Nike elite high schools. So, you know, your, uh, DeMathas, your, uh, Gonzaga's Montverde's Oak Hills, Sierra Canyon, Bishop Gorman, um, just to like name a few of the schools that we've had. Um, you know, we don't get those schools if we don't have Nike support. Um, and we work, you know, directly with Tony Dorado, who's a national high school manager at Nike, uh, in kind of putting our field together. And it really, you know, Tony, Tony lives in Oregon. He's prideful about the, um, the state, the, the status of our, of our basketball here. And, um, you know, he's invested in the event and wants us to be able to have our players play against, you know, the elite guys and the elite programs from around the country. And, um, it's just, we're in a very unique situation with the support that we get from Nike and we're blessed to have it. Um, aside from, and I'll let, you know, Jed and Marshall talk about the Les Schwab. Jed covers it. Um, we sit, we sit on courtside. He's there honestly, almost for all 32 games. And then, uh, you know, Marshall's coached in it. Um, I think every year he's been at Lake Oswego. Um, another event that we're able to do in our backyard with Nike is the Nike hoop summit. Um, and and it's it's the benefit to the Oregon high school player is is less than it is for the Les Schwab, just given the nature of of what the event is. There's there's 16 teams in the Les Schwab. There's a world team and a USA team in the in the hoop summit. So you know, player wise, there's just less of a number. But what we're able to do with that event is is we put together a um, a team that is able to play against the USA um, junior national team that's you know playing wearing USA on their chest, playing in the Moda Center Friday night. Uh, we put together a group of local guys. Marshall coaches it. Um, and they get a chance to play against, uh, you know, the future lottery picks of, you know, in, in a year from now. And, you know, one example of that is Peyton Pritchard, who is now with the Boston Celtics, was a first-round draft pick after a four-year career at Oregon. Uh, you know, he had recruiting and, you know, he had a little bit of a, of a buzz – at least in the state of Oregon uh, when he was a sophomore, but we had him play um, in, you know, for, we call it the Washington or the Portland generals based off the Washington generals, um, you know, who gets their heads cracked by the Globetrotters. Even though we compete with the USA team, it's, it's just a, yeah. Uh, Peyton as a sophomore played and held his own, did really well and, you know, caught the attention of uh, at least the media. I mean, I think some NBA guys, maybe, you know, jotted his name down, but like Fran Fraschilla in particular took a liking to Peyton uh, and, you know, would talk about him uh, every chance he got. And it's like always mentioned the first time he saw him was at, uh, you know, the scrimmage for the hoop summit. Um, and then, you know, we've, we've put our, some other guys that have enhanced their recruiting or guys that have come back that are playing overseas have gotten, you know, Clint Chapman's as an example we'll use who played at Canby high school and like graduated 2006 was played at Texas. He was a, like, third fiddle to to Kevin Love and Kyle Singler if, if this if you were around in this era he'd be the number one player eh, one of the top players in the state for sure um he came played really well held his own against all the lottery future lottery picks in the hoop summit and ultimately got uh like I think he said he quintupled his money that he was getting in Europe based off that one 
scrimmage in the hoop summit. So um, that doesn't happen without Nike's long winded way of answering your question about, you know, the benefits that we get for, from having them in our backyard. But Adidas is here too, but obviously, you know, I'm loyal to, to Nike. Um, and it's, it's such a benefit for, for our guys and, and worse in a unique situation, lucky to have it. So, so Marshall, before you maybe chime in now, I'm thinking, okay, if I'm a East coast, I don't anywhere coast, I don't care where you're at. If you're not checking in to find out who's on that team, the, the, the Oregon generals, the Portland, Portland generals, generals yes, yes. I, I need to know who's on that team. Cause if it's a sophomore like Peyton Pritchard, you, you, you just really rounded up an all-star team for the entire state. I, I've got the entire state uh, off of one scrimmage, right? Um, t- tell me, is that is that the move right there, Marshall? And, and then, Jed, follow up on that. Is that a bad move because am I going to miss out on some guys? Yeah, um, Reggie's really become the general manager, you know, of, of the squad over the years. Um, I, I started with it when I was at University of Portland, and so I had the local college, you know, players connections. And, and back then, the limitations were harder so that we couldn't, you know, get underclassmen and whatnot. You know, we used to scrimmage only with graduated seniors, but – um, you know, things have changed a little bit and, and Reggie's done a good job of, you know, bringing players from just, you know, there's Paolo Banchero, Pan- right? Paolo Banchero. How do you say his last name, Reggie? Paolo has played at Banchero, you, know, you, um, you know, um, so a lot of, you know, it's funny. Peyton Pritchard's an interesting case because, again, for, we're for connecting the dots from the beginning of the conversation. And the the amazing rookie year he's having. I mean, he is the epitome of the Oregon player, you know. Uh, like, and his work ethic is just off the charts, you know. But that's the type of player on the lesser scale that you're getting, you know, who's fundamental, who knows how to play within the structure. He's smart and all that. Um, in terms of that particular uh, scrimmage, it, it gets me to thinking about this a lot because you know the re- the comparison that we get is oftentimes we get lost lumped in with Seattle, right, in the Pacific Northwest. One thing that I've been here for the last you know eight nine years and I've really seen firsthand is how well those professional players and collegiate players take care of their their guys up up there in Seattle. And I think no question. What, what we need to do, and I'm, I apologize to the coaches who are listening, digging for players, but this is maybe, again, um, letting you guys know that we're working on it and, and this will be a state to recruit for the next 10 years, is that uh, we do have that scrimmage where a lot of guys who who went on and played collegially come back and get to play in it. So it's it's in, in some way, it's a, it, Clint is an example of that. But totally. moving forward, there's a lot of guys who played gone away and come back who may even be d2 players or whatnot they will further their careers and you know if they play well in this tournament or in this uh, scrimmage and so that's one example of if we get guys who move on and we we help them to you know get to that next level and again because we have people have such strong pride about being being from oregon you know peyton's a kid he's never going to leave oregon when he's done playing and i can imagine that when his playing career is done 15 years from now He'll probably be running, you know, working out kids and being in the gym. He's a gym rat, you know. So, and so we have guys like that. Steve Blake, who played here for the Blazers, you know. There's a lot of guys who just make it their home. Channing Fry, you know, he's not originally from here, but he loves being in Oregon. So we we are starting to have these professionals who are around, and if if we can utilize them and again and foster foster the younger generation coming up, like you know they've done up in Seattle, like I can see us up in our game in a hurry. 
Um, no question. So, so that's exciting. That's an exciting piece. But yeah, Peyton going back to him, that's just a different cat. <laughs> He's special. So uh, hopefully we got the next few coming, um, you know, to follow the path that he set for us. Absolutely. Now, Jed, as Reggie mentioned, you got your court side for 32 games at the less Schwab Invitational. I want to sit next to you one of these times. Uh, maybe not for 32 games. I, I like to work hard. But that, that's that's dedication. But um, talk a little bit about that event. And then let's transition also into this thought of um, what are other ways to get to know uh, Oregon hoops? So other events that, that maybe we didn't mention uh, that, that might exist. And then other scouting services similar to yourself that may also uh, be a, a resource for for us on this side, and, and I, I sh- I'd be remiss if I didn't mention, you know, th- this podcast is just as much for the coaches locally, right? So as we we're talking, um, you know, at Marshall, you, you, you chimed in on that, and I'm glad you did. Uh, if we can use this as a as a springboard of um, thoughts and education to make uh, the basketball seem better, uh, I think this that's great. That that gives me a lot of pride. That's why I wanted to have this show and so I, I love those type of insights Marshall but anyway Jed uh, back to you get, give me your give me that the, the summation there I know I toss a lot at you there but uh, t- talk to me about these events and other ways to get to know Oregon hoops yeah I mean obviously Les Schwab is is the primo event here but you know there's there's some other events you know Reggie also has a smaller event um, it's called the the eight which has a you know also brings in some some schools from out of state and uh, some of the other schools that are just below the level of the ones uh, in state here um, that participate in Les Schwab. And that's, that's been a really cool event to um, see as well. And there's been some teams come in. So I think it was Pacifica Christian came in. They had a, two or three Division One players on that team. And uh, it was good to see that. Um, and didn't they come two years in a row, I want to say? I don't know. Uh, but there's also another uh, tournament. Yeah, they did. Yep, you got it. Yeah. There's another tournament. Um, I, the name escapes me at the moment, um, but it's also a, it's kind of a newer one that um, operates in at Willamette University in Salem around the that's Christmas time. Yeah, yeah, and at that's actually um, been bringing in some some big teams. Uh, uh, the Mobley kid uh, was at Rancho Christian came in um, last year, and he was here and played played in a couple of games. So, and this year they were going to have a whole bunch of other. Uh, teams in as well so it's kind of neat to see you know a lot of these out-of-state teams um seeing this you know of course you know nike and these are big draws go to the employee store and do all that kind of stuff but um it's kind of neat to see that um happen um and then you know i guess you know i, I kind of had a 10-year break from when i was here in the 2000s and just recently but you know i think until covid and stuff there were you know a lot of good solid AU tournaments that were going on here that were being thrown on by the Hoop Salem. And then also, um, you know, I got to plug in prep hoops. You know, we have our prep hoop circuit and, you know, we were going to have a tournament in, in Portland here in uh, Memorial Day weekend. And then, you know, this year we're planning to have another one here in, uh, I think in the May timeframe as well. And then there's another one just going to be up the road in Centralia for our prep hoop circuit, which actually is, uh, has, you know, had quite a few, uh, you know, very talented teams. And programs, Dream Vision comes to mind. Um, you know, the kid who was at Howard, um, Maker, he was playing in these tournaments. Yeah. And, um, so, yeah, you know, I think, you know, events like that are, are, you know, definitely opportunities for, you know, coaches to come and, and see some talent. Yeah. And whenever you, you, you start to infuse the out of state talents 
uh, in these type of events, there's generally going to be a young uh, family or young kid in the gym that sees it, it gets inspired. Maybe somebody that's in middle school that says, oh, oh, I better go work out a little bit harder. You know, the, 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 the sparks that, that come from bringing these events into your backyard um, are often felt several years down the road. Um, once uh, the, the spark hits the, and, and creates a flame into somebody to really get after and work and, and become that, that next great player. Um, Reggie Marshall, any other uh, avenues that we as the college coaches should should really take notice of to to know and understand Oregon hoops? Um, Marshall, I'll start with you. Um, yeah, other, I mean, other than that, I think you, you've done a great job when you were in the game. I, I think coaches need to just develop relationships. And I think you know, I, I, honestly, I feel like I would be talking to my, the same thing I would be saying to my players. There's just no shortcuts to recruiting, right? And you know that better than anybody. But I think just it's it is cyclical. But there are certain coaches who who are institutions here who who have a lot of relationships. So I, I would start, you know, um, you know, four or five handful of coaches who who have connections, you know, high school coaches, and and start there. You know, um, like you said, Chris Roach. I think he's not mentioned. You know, he he's the coach at Wilsonville has had a long-term, you know, success. He runs the Capital Classic. He does a great pretty, job. Yep, pretty plugged in. Um, you know, I sit on our coaches board, you know, and and not a lot, not every state has the Basketball Coaches Association, right? So again, um, just trying to catch up to the state of Washington, they've had their Basketball Coaches Association forever. But, um, you know, on our side, we have Pat Coons, who right. coached long, long time, great, you know, legendary coach at, at Westview High School. He retires and he decides to, you know what, we need to have a basketball association. So for a lot of the folks who are tuning in, you know, um, Pat Coons over, you know, he's the former president. The current president is Kyle Cowan um, and Derek Duman is the vice president. Those guys can get you plugged into different, you know, high school contacts. Um, so those would be, you know, great, you know, first step into into our state. And then the rest of it is just relationships and doing your research and knowing, knowing which coaches are, you know, active and, and engaged in helping their players get recruited. Reggie, anything to add to that? Um, I think James Johnson, who Jed mentioned his events, uh, he he worked out of the Hoop Salem. I think now he's actually based in Bend, Oregon, Central Oregon, um, which is kind of in the middle of the state. And like I think we all agree, a burgeoning area, Uh, super connected with uh, players at all levels, does a good job with events um, and has a relationship with, with tons of high school coaches, small college coaches, division two coaches, division one coaches. Um, he's a good person to know. I think he's as aware of where the players are as anybody in the state. Um, myself, Jed Marshall, whoever included, I mean, he's James Johnson's dialed in. I love that. I love that. And, and for those listening, if anyone wants to get connected with any of these gentlemen here on the call um, or coach Johnson, just let us know. Obviously, when, when we post this, if, if you're if you're listening on Spotify right now, you probably clicked the link on Twitter. So just you know, put their names as well. We always tag our guests. 
Um, and, and that's what this is all about, to, to really kind of bring uh, the, and, and make those fusions and connections. And Marshall, to, to add to your point about the Coaches Association, when I was in Alabama, we, we was part of uh, a group that helped start that Coaches Association. I saw firsthand uh, what an impact um, it could have. And we yep. started it, you know, two years ago. So 20, 2019, 2018, 2019 year. And um, I could see immediately – the, the difference it would it would have in a in a heavy football state uh, in terms of just developing basketball talent, basketball knowledge, bringing coaches together um, and sharing information and ideas, all that stuff really um, plays a big role. So that's that's awesome to know that you guys have that going on. Um, so this has been really really good insight and information. On, on Oregon. And as we are coming towards the end, we're going to jump right into our fast break segment. As I mentioned in every single episode, I'm so thrilled about the high tech uh, banner that I have here at the bottom. Uh, again, fast break segment still sponsored by no one. If anyone listening up to this point, toss a couple dollars. In your <laughs> um, all right. So uh, here, here's what I want to know, uh, because you guys have mentioned some, some really interesting stories and some names, um, let's let's go around the horn, Marshall. I'll start with you. And again, in the fast break segment, can't repeat an, an answer. Give me a name of a kid right now, um, or maybe within recent memory. I want to exp- expand a little bit. They could maybe be a graduate um, that played college ball from Oregon, Marshall. We're going to go a couple times around. So so you don't have to get super specific. Let's rattle off some names here. That's why it's called a fast break. <laughs> oh, so, but it's recent, so I can't name Kyle Singler, Kevin Love. You can't, uh, although can't. you yeah. mentioned it. That's also how I know Lake Oswego was yes. when we played Kevin Love and the Bob Gibbons. He got a rebound and just held it and waited for DeMar DeRozan to streak the sideline and just did a little flick pass over his head. We're like, who the hell is this dude? And we're looking at like Lake Oswego. And so when you got the job of Lake Oswego, I was excited. Like, Maybe I can yeah. find the next Kevin Love. Anyway, let's reel it back in. And, and right. <laughs> Give me some more names, Marshall. Uh, I, you know, just to, again, this is unity. You know, this is post-election. Uh, I, I'm going to shout out a, a, a league rival, Westland, uh, Anthony that. Mathis, who played at New Mexico, transferred to Oregon. He just signed the G League deal with the Austin Spurs. Anthony Mathis, way to go. Love that. Jed? Uh, I'm going to throw out, it's it's actually kind of been a little up and down season for him, but Marcus Sahonis at the University of Washington, he's had some big games and stepped up. Uh, um, you know, he's he's definitely part of the future there. Love it. Reggie? Um, I love both those, both those guys. I'll stay in the Pac-12 uh, point guards, and we'll go Isaac Bonton at Washington State. Uh, having a great season so far this year. Um, a little up and down last few games, but uh, by and large, uh, shooting it a lot better, more consistent. Uh, I mean, he's going to be a professional basketball player, no question about it. Love it. Let's go snake draft style. So, Reggie, give, give me another name, and then we'll go to Jed and then Marshall. Ooh, um, another name we'll go um, just because I just watched the highlights from the game the other night right before we got on. Uh, Khalid Thomas, uh, who's at Portland State. Um, Juco to Portland State, uh, went to CSI, graduated from Westland High School, but started at South Salem High School. Uh, classic late bloomer, um, transferred from Arizona State 
to Portland State. Uh, got off to a little bit of a slow start, but coming along uh, lately, if he's he's one of those guys where if he has like the royal jelly from the coach, like he's going to produce, and I think he's got it right now. So Khalid Thomas, Portland State. Lovely, Jed. Give me another name. Uh, I'm gonna jump right in, stay in the big sky. Uh, Cameron Parker at uh, Montana, transfer from Sacred Heart, where he actually set a Division One record for assists in a game. Um, decided to get a little comeback, little play a little closer to home, and at Montana, it's having a pretty solid season so far. How about it? Went all the way out. To We're talking like 25 point. assists, like 25 assists in a game, like that. that we can't That's think about that. I'm glad you. I'm glad you uh, quantified. That's pretty damn. That's pretty damn good. Marshall, give me another name. Last name. Uh, Jazz Johnson graduated from Lake Oswego. Uh, played at University of Portland. Uh, went on to Nevada. Played for Coach Musselman. Um, and then is uh, playing overseas in Europe. You know, another commonality between a lot of these names. A lot of guys transferring. Uh, you know, <laughs> some some to, some to, yeah. to be said about that. You Oregonians yeah. are, are in the. Uh, in the, the portal. Um, all right, uh, Jed, I'm going to, I'm going to start with you on this one. Um, we ask this question in every episode, name a college assistant coach that does it or could be a head coach that does a good job of, of recruiting the state. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to name any names, but I think a program that's done really well is, is Gonzaga. Um, because not only in terms of getting players like Ben Gregg. Is this to uh, me? What's that? Oh, all right, Jed, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, um, yeah, you know, uh, Ben Gregg and Caden Perry um, from Battleground. But, you know, also, too, they, they've picked up a lot of kids over the years who wa- simply want to go there and walk on. Uh, Mike Hart was a great example of a kid from Jesuit, wasn't recruited by anybody, decided to walk on on Gonzaga, ends up being a starter his senior year for a team that I think made uh, all the way to the final eight. I mean, it's just remarkable um, just how they're able to just – Kids want to go there, and if they even have to pay to walk on, they'll they'll go do that. Wow, big! That's a big deal. Reggie, go ahead. Sorry, I was cutting out for a second there. Sorry to steal your thunder. I think you said uh, be Mike at Gonzaga, which totally agree with. Um, I'll say Ken Bone at Pepperdine. Um, he was the head coach of Portland State uh, in the aughts. Um, had some success here. Went up to Wazoo. Now he's the, I think he's the associate head coach at Pepperdine. Um, he he's dialed in here. I mean, he was recruiting Ben Gregg. Uh, was was hoping that he wouldn't kind of blow up to the to the level he got. He's like, Ben's gonna help me beat Gonzaga uh, if we get him if we get him at Pepperdine. Um, he, he's dialed in. He knows the landscape really well, and has has always kind of kept the pulse on the state um, since leaving uh, Portland State. Marshall. Um, I, I think Coach Perry over at Portland State has done a heck of a job just engaging with the high school coaches in our state. Um, he's held coaching clinics, you know, on and by the way, I you know, full disclosure, I co- I also coach for two years at University of Portland as a director of basketball operations. You know, I, I love the I'd love the child center. You know, that's where the state tournament for the six A schools here, the biggest classification is held. On the University of Portland campus. Um, I would also like to say that both those programs, you know, they're at I think, you know, UP has a, a brand new practice facility that's, you know, pretty new. And, and same thing with Portland State. You know, they have a brand new uh, basketball arena at the heart of the city. So, again, I, I you know, I'm, I'm hopeful that both those programs will continue to, you know, rise up. But um, Coach Perry in particular, you know, just since he's taken over, him and his assistants have had a presence in our state. And um, it's great to see. 
Awesome. Last question. We'll start with you, Reggie, and go all the way around. Did you guys all get to Oregon by taking the Oregon Trail? Is that is that the most overplayed joke in Oregon? Hey, I'll start. I'm a, uh, I'm a it probably is. Wait, did you say Reggie? Sorry, 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 Reggie. I cut you off. I got all excited. No, go ahead. No, Marshall, 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 Marshall. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> sorry, I don't know, Nima. If you called on Reggie, and I go for still it. hopped on. That's all right. Fast break. Literally, as we started this segment, there were rules. Chaotic. And there's yeah. never been any rule following in, yeah. in the fast break segment. It's totally uh, in vogue with how we do things. Go ahead, Marshall. Go ahead. No, I came to the United States in, in 1986 from South Korea. I was 10 years old. And the first thing I did in the classroom was they put me on the on the Commodore computer and I was playing the Oregon Trail game. So I'm, I was fresh off the boat or the plane, but uh, no, did not take the trail. Only the video game. Big deal. We all played it at, at Rocky Hill Middle School in, <laughs> here in Maryland. Uh, Reggie, go ahead. Give me your Oregon Trail uh, tales. No, say same deal, man. Uh, played the game. Um, honestly, I couldn't even really describe to you if, if like someone just landed here from another, you know, uh, continent or planet, I guess is the right word. What the Oregon trail, like what remnants of it there is now in our state? Like, am I wrong for that? Jed Marshall, like, do we even have any, like, I mean, in Oregon city, I guess there's a little bit of a, like, Maybe something, but I don't even really think so. <laughs> you yeah, got a bunch I'm, of basketball I'm, I'm people. You should have had a history trail. teacher on here. The Oregon Trail, like, yeah. maybe you, yeah, you man, got, I don't know. Uh, maybe like in the game when, when you get like uh, one of these diseases, you've uh, affected your eyesight to not see the trail. The, the photo that we can't see for those watching on YouTube in the background is this beautiful backdrop of Oregon. Uh, it looks like there's a couple trails in there, you know. It's uh, Jed Oregon Trail. How often have you heard that? Jim? No, PC, PC, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Marshall mentioned, you know, the only Oregon Trail I played is the the video game, and I always got dysentery. But you know, I'll, I'll say this: I, I moved here in 2000. <laughs> I moved here in 2002, and uh, the year before is when I really started getting the high school basketball. I was living in the Dallas Fort Worth area, and for guys who are familiar with that year. Um, there were literally about 50 Division One players just in the Dallas Forward area. It was Chris Bosch, there was Darren Williams, there was mm. Bracy Wright, there was Daniel Horton, and every night it was just packed houses uh, for for a preseason. Um, you know, mm. they played a warm up game before um, the postseason uh, postseason started, and they sold out Reunion Arena. I mean, this is we're talking a football state, and they're selling out high school basketball, and it was just unbelievable the amount of talent. And I remember moving out here. And kind of expecting, not sure what to expect, but, you know, it's, it's a different vibe. It's a different vibe here in Oregon and kind of like all we've talked about before, great coaching, great kids, you know, hardworking kids, you know, maybe not that drop dead, you know, future NBA type talent, but a lot of quality players for a lot of college programs here. Well, gentlemen, this has been a really good discussion. And while, you know, the, the, the NBA players that you just alluded to, Jed, the whole world figures those guys out pretty quickly, but where where most uh, bread is buttered are are that 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 next tier guy, the guy that you've got to really go evaluate, build a relationship with, uh, build a relationship with the, the the coaches in the community, the coaches in the state, and have a good understanding of what they're going to be able to do on the next level. And I think today you guys did a really eloquent job of describing 
Oregon hoops. Um, you know, some of the, the obstacles that are presented, some of the, the, the success stories uh, that have happened over time. And I, I, for one, am going to continue to keep an eye on the state. Shout out Ian Anderson, uh, made a lot of threes for us at UNC Charlotte, loved Oregon, which is the reason why I, I started to, to pay attention uh, to the state many years ago. But thank you, gentlemen, so much for coming with us through the tunnel College coaches, get on your Oregon Trail. Get out there. Watch the guys in this state. Connect with these gentlemen. Uh, they'll guide you, and, and you can find yourself that, that next stud. Uh, maybe um, they can hang you a banner. Uh, again, thank you to, uh, to you three, and we are out of here.